Half of our waking lives are spent at work, and it may just surprise you to learn that 60% of workers are concerned about their mental health, and 44% often feel anxious and depressed, according to Transamerica Institute's most recent survey of workers. This is important because when people struggle with mental health in the workplace, it not only affects their productivity, but also their creativity, ability to problem solve, as well as the capacity to connect with others. Welcome back to Clear Path, your roadmap to health and wealth. I'm your host, Al Waller, and joining me today is Mihaela Vince, public health expert for nonprofit Transamerica Institute. And today she'll be discussing signs to look out for that indicate your mental health may be suffering, ways to improve your mental health, and she'll also be examining the U.S. Surgeon General's new framework for mental health and well-being in the workplace. But first, I'd like to remind you that we'd love to hear from you and learn about the topics you'd like us to cover. So please drop me or Mahela a note at info at transamericacenter.org. Now, Mahela, why don't we start with some of the basics in terms of, well, what it actually means when you refer to being mentally healthy? Yeah, that's a really good question because the state of our mental health really influences everything in our lives. For instance, how we connect with others, how we make decisions, and how we handle stress. Someone who's mentally healthy can effectively cope with stress, they can work productively, contribute to their community, as well as realize their potential. On the other hand, a mental health concern becomes a mental illness when ongoing symptoms affect their ability to function, according to Mayo Clinic. That's why prioritizing our mental health is vital for our well-being. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, Mahela. The capacity to function is not all that different from, say, building your home on a solid foundation. Without one, sustainability really becomes problematic. Now then, what are some of the indicators that would lead you to believe that your mental health may be suffering? A mental illness can make you unhappy and can cause problems in your daily life. That's no surprise. I mean, it can affect your work, your relationships, and some signs of an underlying mental health problem include excessive worries, feelings of guilt, sadness, or loss of interest. Other signs could include withdrawal from friends, inability to concentrate, problems sleeping, and physical aches and pains. Now, if you do find yourself realizing that some of these signs resonate with you and they're interfering with your daily life, it's advisable that you seek the help from a mental health professional as many mental illnesses don't improve on their own and can get worse if left untreated. Well, it's probably not a stretch to predict doing your best work while you're struggling in the ways you just described would be a significant challenge. And let's face it, uh, the world already provides us with an abundance of stress in life, uh, you know, in and out of the office. So perhaps you could cite how mental health issues affect businesses and their employees. Yeah, so the CDC outlines how poor mental health can negatively affect workers in many ways, including their engagement with their work, the way they interact with their coworkers, their performance, and their capability to physically function. Exactly. And that's not a good place to find yourself. I also know there's no simple solution or silver bullet out there, but what steps would you recommend people take to begin improving their mental health? You're right that there is no simple solution, but there are some steps that you can take to promote your mental well-being. Um, first and foremost, just start basic by taking care of yourself. Eating healthy, regularly exercising, and getting quality sleep. Uh, all of these things impact our mental health. Next, uh, 
practice relaxation techniques. If you're like me, you might be tempted to zone out in front of your TV or computer screen <laughs> after work, but it's important for your mental health to learn how to activate your body's relaxation response. And this can be achieved through activities like deep breathing, meditation, or yoga. And lastly, I encourage you to switch off. It's important to really allow yourself to focus on other relationships and activities when you're off work. Agreed, especially on that last point. I can tell you from personal experience, working full tilt over a sustained period, you know, whether it be day in and day out, weeks or even months, you can find not only the quantity of your production diminish, but the quality of your performance will ultimately suffer as well. So I'd really endorse your notion of turning the switch off or at least hitting the pause button on a regular basis. And oh, by the way, remembering to breathe. Now, I understand that the U.S. Surgeon General's Office has announced a new framework on mental health and well-being that organizations can refer to in order to make their workplaces mentally healthier. So then what sort of impact do you see this providing for employees and their employers? It makes sense to invest in mental health for employees. They're the most important part of any business. And yes, employers can indeed have an efficient, successful business and focus on mental health, according to the National Safety Council. Companies who invest in their employees' mental health and well-being perform better in their outcomes and better overall in employee mental health and well-being. So this new framework lays out five key areas for workplaces to focus on that can build the policies, culture, and practices that will ultimately support well-being in the workplace. And this information can be helpful to both employers and employees alike. As a sidebar, having worked in the HR consulting field for many years, helping companies hire and expand, I found that those clients who successfully dealt with mental health issues typically had the following, robust medical benefits, including generous PTO, making sure that you know, employees took it or at least most of it, also maintained a solid track record of employee retention, as well as a management philosophy that valued and advocated an open door policy regarding communication. Now, I'd like us to dive in and take a look at the five essentials in the framework you just mentioned. Yeah, so the first essential is protection from harm. People need to feel that they are safe not only physically, but also psychologically at work. Normalizing conversations about mental health should not be something that employees feel ashamed about or perhaps fear retaliation for bringing up. As an employee, you want to know that you won't be discriminated against for speaking up about mental health concerns in the workplace. Now, the next essential is connection and community. When people feel that they have positive relationships in the workplace, they really feel more motivated to do their best work. And this doesn't just happen because of a monthly employee get-together. Rather, it happens when people know and care about each other beyond their skill set. When we build relationships and trust in the workplace, we feel like we can truly bring our best selves to work which benefits us, those in our lives, and our organization. Couldn't agree more there. Protection from harm as well as connection and community are definitely key. Now, what else is included uh, within this framework? So the third essential is work-life harmony. Work-life harmony refers to a state where an individual can achieve both professional and personal goals and kind of have them intertwine and coexist. Work-life balance, on the other hand, refers to the time frames that people dedicate to work and the time that they spend outside of work, and it kind of implies that these two are in competition. During the pandemic, for instance, the tension between work and life responsibilities really amplified for lots of people, but let's be honest, this was an issue even before the pandemic. 
respecting our boundaries between work and home life is harder now than it was, let's say, 20 years ago, as there are fewer opportunities to really disconnect. When people go home, they're often still inundated with emails, texts, phone calls that are work-related, even on the weekends, holidays, and vacations. So it's just important for employers to encourage these boundaries as they often successfully impact work. Your ability to connect with friends and family outside of the workplace can help forge your skills for building good client relationships at work, for instance. You know, I think uh, drawing the distinction between work-life balance and work-life harmony is an interesting concept. And I can tell you from my HR perch, I'd have to give uh, the millennials big props for insisting on setting their boundaries to achieve this type of balance rather than simply, you know, acquiescing and climbing on board that proverbial treadmill. Now, what's the fourth essential? The fourth essential is mattering at work. Engage your workers in the workplace by providing a living wage or a wage that aligns with the value that they are providing. It also includes engaging workers in workplace decisions. When employees feel that they matter and that their voices matter, it encourages well-being and enhances their contribution to the workplace. Got it. And having worked with companies that have set up junior boards to help influence how management shapes their policy really demonstrated a grasp of work-life harmony as well as mattering at work. Now, I believe that brings us to our final essential, right? Yeah. The fifth and final essential is opportunities for growth. We know that we all have a need to grow and workplaces can offer this through mentorships, trainings, and promotions. So these areas together, protection from harm, connection and community, work-life harmony, mattering at work, opportunities for growth, are the five essentials for enhancing mental health in the workplace. So now that we've addressed the five essentials, it, it makes me wonder, how would you suggest workers use this information to better their mental health? Yeah, that's a really good question because you don't have to be the CEO of a company to contribute to the mental well-being of your workplace. How you foster community, make people matter, provide feedback, all of these will give you the power to make a positive impact on the mental health of those around you. You can also have conversations about this framework with your manager and discuss how you both can work together, not just for you, but for all the workers at your job to have these five essentials met. I think that makes good practical sense and probably something that one might want to consider up front, say, during the, their interview process to gauge how open and committed management would be to these values before accepting and signing on the bottom line. Now, for someone out there who's listening and maybe struggling and, and needs help, where would you advise them to turn? Well, a few places might be a good start. If your employer offers an employee assistance program, you can often find mental health resources here for free or at a reduced cost. Next, the National Institute of Mental Health is the federal agency that leads research on mental disorders. Um, it has great resources on how to care for your mental health. And lastly, check out Transamerica Institute's Mental Health Guide at transamericainstitute.org forward slash mental health. Uh, this guide provides information on what it means to be mentally healthy and where to go for help. Great resources and insights, Mihaela, and as always, a pleasure to have you with us. If you'd like to check out any of the source materials mentioned today, visit transamericainstitute.org forward slash podcast to review the episode's transcript. We hope you'll join us for future episodes, including the upcoming episodes on caring for your mental health during the holidays and candid conversations with family members on tough topics. And so in case you missed it, check out our previous episodes on marketplace, open enrollment, and supporting caregivers in the workplace. 
ClearPath, your roadmap to health and wealth, is brought to you by Transamerica Institute, a nonprofit, private foundation dedicated to identifying, researching, and educating the public about retirement security and the intersections of health and financial well-being. You can find our weekly podcast on WYPR's website and mobile app, wherever you get your podcasts, and at transamericainstitute.org. If you have comments, feedback, or perhaps a topic you'd like to learn more about, please reach out to us at info at transamericacenter.org. We'd really welcome your input. Until the next time, I'm your host, Al Waller. Stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. Clear Path, Your Roadmap to Health and Wealth is produced by the Transamerica Institute with assistance from WYPR. The information provided here is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as insurance, securities, ERISA, tax, investment, legal, medical, or financial advice or guidance. 